0: We turn this morning to Matthew chapter 6, verses 33 and 34. Matthew 6, 33 and 34. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take, therefore, no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Father, this morning we return to this text because we sense in these words something profound and special for your people, as saints of old have often returned to these words for those things of profundity and speciality that are certainly heard even upon first reading of the text. But help us today to go a little bit beyond the usual and the normal and the familiar, and help us today to think upon And more to think, but to embrace the principal truth that is here involving the lifestyle that you demand of your family. And may we today not only see it, but embrace it and seek to practice that in the ebb and flow of life in this new week. We'll thank you, we'll praise you, as we see that happening in our lives in response to the truth of Christ as presented. We ask your blessing upon your people this morning, we pray these things in Jesus' name and for his blessed sake, amen. Glorifying the dependability of God, glorifying The dependability of God. You know the little chorus? Sing it with me. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Hallelujah! It is clear upon comparing the popular chorus written by Karen Lafferty with the actual statement of the Lord Jesus as a part of his messianic manifesto that something has been added and that something is missing. The added thing is appropriate. The added thing is the word Alleluia, which means praise the Lord. And surely God is to be praised for his dependability and care as promised his kingdom-seeking citizens. The thing missing is the first word of the text. But. We never sing, but seek. We just sing, seek ye first the kingdom. And yet, I would argue that the but should not be ignored nor left out. That little word of contrast, but, reminds us, that the citizens of God's kingdom, it reminds us that the followers of Christ live differently than the world that is around them. Don't we? Or maybe I should say, do we? citizens of God's kingdom, followers of Christ, according to King Jesus, live in such a way on earth, as John Piper says it, so as to glorify the dependability of God. Do you live in such a way so as to glorify the dependability of God. The heavenly value-based command, Do Not Worry, repeated three times by our Lord in this portion of the Messianic Manifesto, is complemented by the positive exhortation that is familiar to us all as read and sung, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. The little word, but, at the beginning of 33, alerts you to the shift of emphasis from the don't do to the do-do. This entire section of Matthew 6 has been don't do this, but do this. That's the structural uh, grammar of the Lord Jesus in presentation throughout this section. Jesus said, do seek and do seek first. And when you look up the little word first, you see that it means first in time and first in priority. First in time and first in priority. Seek as a matter of first in time and first as a matter of priority uh, the kingdom of God. How do you seek it? Well, 610 says you seek it by prayer. And here we find that you seek it by living in obedience to King Jesus as specified in contrast to the sin of angst or the sin of worry. As we said it briefly last week, this positive side of the exhortation does not eliminate all thoughts of food, clothing, and shelter. In the life of the child of God living on earth, in fact, you know that previously our Lord provided a model for praying, which includes thoughts and petitions for daily need, physical, emotional, and spiritual. The Apostle Paul told Timothy to teach the local church in Ephesus that for a man not to think, pray, and provide for the physical needs of his own family, that man is worse than an infidel. So God would not have us beg off all thoughts of food, all thoughts of drink, all thoughts of shelter. King Jesus didn't say, stop working, run around naked, and hope your neighbors throw out some good food in the trash. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said that his followers' priority in seeking is heavenly, not earthly. Jesus states clearly that all uh, other legitimate pursuits will take up their right place in time and order when one's priorities are correct as indicated in the text. The word seek is found in the New Testament about 120 times and has a wide range of applications. Zetao is the word that describes the merchant who is searching searching for the perfect pearl In Matthew chapter 13, as we'll get to it in weeks ahead, it is the word that describes the poor woman searching for her lost coin. In Luke chapter 15, it is the same word that describes God's own desire for worshipers in spirit and in truth, John chapter 4. And it is the same word of the Apostle Paul to the Church of Colossae exactly along the lines as taught by the Lord Jesus here in Matthew 6. Seek those things which are above, says Paul to the Colossians. In each case, the seeker pursues and aims at a thing with earnest enthusiasm and heart. In fact, the word zetao always references the will of a person, that strong sense of want to and desire, we could translate the phrase, have heartfelt yearning for God's kingdom and God's righteousness. Have heartfelt yearning for God's kingdom and God's righteousness. Taking then this single sentence of positive exhortation to seek under uh, further study, we discover three reasons why obedience to this supra imperative is not only right, but reasonable. We begin with this statement, living this way, living in this way, rather than the way common in the world, after the world's priorities, is reasonable because of God's kingdom rule and governance. We call that God's sovereignty and providence. The phrase is, seek ye first in time, seek ye first in priority God's kingdom. While we are taught of our Lord to pray about the coming of the kingdom, governance, and rule of God to earth as promised, herein we understand that our priority in seeking has to do with living right here and now, in the light of God's eternal dominion, in the light of God's stated desire, in the light of God's unlimited authority. You and I are to live right here, right now, in the light, in the fact of God's eternal dominion, God's stated desire, God's unlimited authority. My still living buddy Sinclair Ferguson says of Matthew six thirty three, herein is an unreserved commitment to the countercultural lifestyle of the kingdom of God. We who of Christ are of Christ the King are to demonstrate a living difference. You and I in Christ are to demonstrate a living difference. Again, Ferguson, herein is an unreserved commitment to the countercultural lifestyle of the kingdom of God. Seeking God's kingdom is to submit to God the King in faith, in hope and obedience. It is to live the life of trust and obey. It is to enter in and participate in the work of the heavenly father, in the redemption of sinful men, that God might be rightly glorified on earth as he is in heaven. The only way that God's going to be rightly glorified on earth as he is in heaven is that the inhabitants of earth are righteous And the only way for them to be righteous is to trust in Jesus Christ. It is to act out exactly after the pattern of our prayer. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Theologians rightly assert that God is sovereign regardless of our recognition or submission. He is no less or more authoritative and able by means of any creature or creaturely response. Yet, for generations, God's people have recognized the practical value of honoring God as God and seeking to act, seeking to live according to his revealed will. Thus, we sing things like, King of my life, I Crown thee now, thine shall the glory be. Well, theologically, it's impossible for you to do that. He's already the crowned king of heaven and earth. He is the Lord of lords and the king of kings, whether you recognize it or not. That said, I don't think it's bad to recognize it. In fact, I know it's commanded. Recognize it. Live accordingly. It is in the fullest sense of truth. My life. Not to give to God. I don't have my own life. God has my life. He already owns it. Yet, such a sentiment in prayer or song, a faithful seeking of God's kingdom, rule, and governance in time, in the time of one's earthly life, exactly as the Lord Jesus speaks of it here, is a commended thing, is an imperative thing. It is fresh recognition of God's great and good governance, that we pray rather than worry, that we trust God rather than worry, that we depend upon God rather than worry. And therefore, I think that that Piper has put his finger right on the proverbial hot spot when he says that this passage is about learning to glorify God, The dependability of God. God is dependable. Amen? Then act that way. Stop acting as if he's not dependable. You can go to any Baptist church and yell, God is dependable, and the saints will cry, Amen. That doesn't mean that they'll live on Monday without fussing and worrying over something. It's not enough to say God is dependable. You and I are to glorify the dependability of God by living different in this old world. In addition, you have in verse 34 during the days of our earthly life while anticipating the day of God's kingdom rule as manifest on earth, as promised, that we are to be careful to recognize that God, as God, has assigned to each day its own trouble and affliction. Verse 34 says, sufficient in the will of God, sufficient in the plan of God is the trouble for the day tomorrow. And therefore, your mind is to be focused upon glorifying the dependability of God today. And then when you get to tomorrow, worry about glorifying uh, the dependability of God on that day. The word of Christ about trouble sufficient for tomorrow reminds us that God is not bound by time and space as we are we are to pray daily and trust daily. When the trouble of tomorrow comes in the will of God, we may be assured of the provision of God to face the thing in wisdom and strength. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. That's big picture thinking. And then beyond that, align your prayers and your tasks for the day according to glorifying the dependability of of God. I'm glad this morning, as I come to this hour, to say that I made it. I'm glad as I come to this hour to say that uh, uh, that I did something I'd never done before, and uh, and I survived to talk about it. Uh, it was uh, early on in the summer when my grandson and his new family called and said, uh, can we come up for some days and visit? And of course, Sherry and I are both, yeah, yeah, sure, yep, yep, yep. But I didn't choose when. Nathaniel Madison chose when. And then when Justin, my son in Florida, called and said, Dad, we have to use up some plane tickets that we had purchased that we couldn't use and, and we're thinking about flying up and, uh, and coming to see you. we'd be there for an extended time of 10 days. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, when I looked at the calendar that Nathaniel and Madison chose the dates, and then I looked at the calendar when Justin and Kristen chose the dates, and I saw those days running together with a few days in between. I recognized that for me to be prepared for their visit, I would need to prepare 16 sermons in advance. Otherwise, I would need to come to the office during the period of time in which my family from Ohio and my family from Florida visited me. I did not come to the office. During the days in which my family from Ohio and my family from Florida visited me, I had fifteen sixteen sermons, rather, uh, uh, prepared, and each one laid out week by week, uh, Sunday to uh, in the morning, Sunday evening education hour, Wednesday night prayer meeting, uh, sixteen messages from the Word of God prepared in advance. I've never prepared sixteen messages. Uh, in advance in my entire lifetime. I don't ever want to do that again. (laughs) But then having the big picture settled, I was able to come over about an hour and a half before things started stirring on Wednesday night and come over about two hours early on a Sunday morning uh, throughout the period in which my family was here and and, uh, ask the Lord... Uh, to help me that I might glorify my dependence upon his dependability. Because in the moment of time when everything in your life is going that way and you at a moment in time are trying to go that way, boy, that's hard. And I'll just say for those of you that are seniors, the older you get, the harder that gets. Transitions have always been difficult for me, but wow, the idea of boom, 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 going that way, and then boom, 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 going that way, boy, that's hard the older you get. And if your plan is, as an old person, to do that well, you got a bad plan. That's not going to work. That's not going to work. But I will say this. I will say this. I must say this. In the totality of life, I must say this in testimony concerning the last the last few weeks. You and I are right to glorify the dependability of God. You can bank your life upon God. And that is exactly how Jesus says that you and I ought to live. We ought to live glorifying the dependability of God. God the king, God of gods, king of kings. We ought to live so as to glorify the dependability of God. Living this way rather than the way common in the world, after the world's priorities, is reasonable. Secondly, because of God's purity as provided us. In addition to Jesus saying, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, we are taught of our Lord to seek God's righteousness. God's perfect righteousness and holiness is to be our heartfelt living pursuit, and aim. While we're quick to say nobody on earth is perfect, an informed believer must likewise say that the goal is nothing less than perfection. And the believer understands that we do not achieve that perfection by any self-effort, but again, by glorifying our dependency upon the dependable God. We said repeatedly at the beginning of the Messianic Manifesto that the righteousness of God, as demanded, is not possible by sinful people. And we know that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We also said that the righteousness of God's demand is the righteousness that He provides in Jesus Christ. Paul said to the Corinthians that Jesus Christ is made unto us by God the Father, wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Active pursuit of practical righteousness and holiness in life, having been made righteous by faith in Christ, is stated by the Lord Jesus as a primary Deterrent to worry. When you live your life in pursuit of God's perfection under the power of God by the facilitation of the Spirit of God, then it helps you not to live a life of angst. Making holiness as God is holy, your active pursuit in the power of the Holy Spirit, is our command. And obedience to that command yields peace and contentment rather than panic and anxiety. We are not just to have a precise anticipation of God's great plan for the future, but a righteous expectation of his work within us here and now that we might perform his good pleasure. Living in the way as Christ taught it is to live in constant pursuit of God's kingdom and His righteousness. Living in this way, rather than the way common in the world, after the world's priorities, is reasonable because of God's promise to us to supply all things necessary in the will of God. God. The things in which the world seeks, as named previously in the text, food, clothing, shelter, are not in and of themselves in any way evil or without value. But God has promised to attend to these necessities as we seek his kingdom and his righteousness, glorifying The dependability of God means that we live differently than the world that is around us. The world has a calendar. The world has a thought of what you should be doing today, tomorrow, and the next day. The world has a complete system in which you are constantly being allured to engage with and to follow. You and I are to glorify the dependability of God by not working that worldly system, but rather by following the Lord our God from the heart, believing that what God said is exactly what will happen, namely, He'll take care of it. He'll take care of it. of those days when we traveled with the family, and uh, so often as we traveled, we were so wonderfully cared for uh, by the people of God that uh, it was just absolutely outstanding and spectacular. Once in a while, not. And so having young boys back in that day, I said to Jason and to Justin, now when we When we go into a home and they feed you, uh, you know, no matter what they serve, no matter what they serve, no matter what they serve, take a little on your plate and, and eat it, and eat it. And then I said to them as their dad, and if it perhaps should not be good, I, your dad, will take care of you. And so we'd go to a home, and if everything was good, I wouldn't hear a word. But after we went to a home and, and ate a little, and in uh, and, uh, and, and the opinion of my boys, and usually in my opinion, not so good, my boys would say to me, Dad, I'd say, yeah. They'd say, are you, are you going to take care of us? And I'd say, yeah. And then we'd swing in here or swing at, in there and uh, get some burgers, or get something to eat, and, uh, and my boys would relax, and, they would, and they'd have a smile on their face because their dad took care of them. If I, an earthly father, know how to do that for my young children, how much more our heavenly Father will take care of you. What you need to do is glorify the dependability of God. You need to exercise yourself so as to glorify the dependability of God because God is dependable, and He deserves to be glorified. I don't believe that either one of my two sons could say that I ever let them down when it came to taking care of their hunger after eating a little meager something in the house of some saint. But I can surely give testimony to this. God has never failed me, and God has never failed you. I have often failed God. You have often failed your God but he has never failed us. Amen? And so it's time, and it's time now, and it's time here to glorify the dependability of God in this place. And that's not about budgets, though we'll have one. And that's not about a constitution, though we got one. That is about an attitude toward your heavenly Father knowing that he is indeed dependable. God will take care of you. Have you ever thought about the reasoning as to why he will? You say, well, because he loves us. True, he loves you. He does love you, not taking that away. That's another sermon. That's not today's sermon, but that'd be a good sermon. God cares for you because he loves you. That's certainly true, certainly true. But I'd like you to think with me just a moment here about a little more of a, of, a, of a business angle as it relates to this whole idea, or a governmental angle as it relates to this idea of seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness as a foundation to the Lord's promise that all the things, food, drink, shelter that the world seeks after will be added and supplied uh, to you. Many a businessman and every governmental employee knows exactly how this works. When a person is traveling and conducting business, he or she operates at the expense of the company or operates at the expense of the commissioning nation. The ambassador to France does not host French dignitaries and conduct American business at personal expense. When a person defers his or her personal interests. To the interest of the company, or to the interest of a nation, expenses are paid. When a child of God defers his or her personal temporary desire in pursuit of the higher interest of the kingdom of God, all Necessary expenditures are covered and the more. Back in the day of my travels, I served under a godly man who was the president at Faith Baptist Bible College and Theological Seminary back in the early 80s. His name was Dr. Gordon Ship. And uh, I had been out for about a, uh, uh, about a two-week period of time on the road, and uh, I turned in all of my expenses, and uh, I was uh, uh, waiting for the uh, college to reimburse me uh, with the check uh, for my expenses uh, from traveling. And uh, my secretary came in the office, and she said, T.W., uh, Doc Shipp would like to see you. Okay. So I went down to his office and got in there, and and Doc said to me, he said, T.W., i got to talk to you about your travel expense. Okay. I thought I did everything right, Doc, but okay. He said, no, you're not hearing me. He said, I I look at the expenses that you turned in, and I'm telling you that uh, you're eating junk and you're going to junky places, and you're acting like uh, uh, you're saving God a dollar. And he said, do you know how many stupid things are done in churches and in colleges because we think we're saving God a dollar? Why, people that spend liberally on themselves over and over again uh, don't want to spend an extra nickel in the house of God because somebody's got to talk about that, debate that, budget that, get that thing up, get that thing down. It's got to be discussed. It's got to be debated. It's got to be debated. Doc said, from next time when you turn in your expense, I want to see that you're eating at good places. I'd rather pay for you to eat a little steak along the way and keep you healthy and keep your wife and kids happy than the aspect that you are representing that God somehow has demanded of you living a pauper's life. Okay, then, I only have to be told to go to Longhorn once. I'm telling you, I... I was happy for that. It it just changed my attitude. But I'm gonna tell you something. Some of you have a beggarly attitude when it comes to the things of God. Why, you'd spend hundreds of dollars on a kid's toy, but you won't spend fifty bucks on a good Bible. You buy them one of them cheap things that fall apart in ten minutes. It's amazing to me how that people will invest in their family, and it has nothing to do with eternity's values. God help us to glorify the dependability of Almighty God. We do believe that God is dependable, but we do not live that way. Hudson Taylor did. George Mueller did. Many saints have. We must, if we are going to glorify the dependability of God. Paul told the kingdom-investing Philippians that their generosity would be met with God's abundant supply. They had exercised themselves to meet Paul's necessity, and Paul assured them that God would meet their necessity according to his riches in glory. The all things of Matthew 6.33 and the every need of Philippians 4.19 has a stunning range of scope and application. Nothing truly needed that is vital to living to the glory of God on earth could be withheld, you or me. Having given us the very best in Jesus Christ at the cross, how could God not give us all needed things to do His will. The problem is, our commitment to do God's will is fickle. God's incalculable wealth, together with His ineffable splendor, from a treasury without limitation is the dazzling context in which we are encouraged to understand that God gives. You can look at this church, we have a budget, and you could have somebody say, well, we don't have budget money for that, even if it was a good thing. I would hope not, but maybe even if it was the will of God kind of a thing. Because we like our budget categories. God, by no means, is committed to our budget. God is God. We ought to be glorifying His dependability when we do what God has asked us to do, when we live according to the will of God. God gives out of the riches of his glory. And God never has less after once giving according to the riches of his glory. This assurance nails the coffin on the lid of worry in a life of trusting and serving saints. This is the life of biblical faith that is prescribed by our Father whose object is God the Son and whose fruit is produced by the ministry of the indwelling Holy Spirit. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Does God tell the truth? Yep. Is God God? Yep. What's left to be done? What's left to be done is for you and me to glorify on this Lord's Day morning the dependability of our God. Glorifying the dependability of our Father, living with eternity's values in view is not natural. It's supernatural. We must have eyes to see. We must have hearts to believe. We must have lives that are, are postured in such a way so that we embrace a lifestyle That by no means is understood or lived in the world of sin, but it is a life that glorifies you in regards to your absolute perfect dependability. And so we thank you for your calling of us in Jesus Christ, and we pray that as your people we would hear the truth and respond to the truth and live so as to glorify and praise Our blessed Lord. Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around this morning. Let me just say in a brief word to you in an atmosphere of prayer. The goal of all the great teachers is to direct their students to the pathway of life and truth. But the goal of the great teacher, capital G, capital T, great teacher is to direct his followers to himself. For he is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And on that basis, we preach to you, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Oh, Father, this morning we would end this hour by singing. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing, my great Redeemer's praise. Help us then. Not just to sing it, but to live it in the days before us. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.